0: This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For other sermons from Antioch, you can visit the church website at antiochchurchnc.org. Now, let's turn our hearts to the Word of God. Our
1: text for this morning is Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar... And put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him an overseer in his house, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. She called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed.
0: Amen. Good morning, saints, those who are here, those who are not, who are joining us from afar. I do commend Vic's teaching to you this morning. It was excellent, and Jeff will send out a link later. But uh, I hope you'll listen to that. Can science or does science disprove the scriptures? And of course, the answer is no, or or disprove Christianity. So, though the title is The Faithfulness of Joseph, and there's that quote, young people, I was talking about. Faithfulness in small things leads to faithfulness in great things and never the other way around. So, it's the faithfulness of Joseph we're looking at, but I remind you that the hero of Genesis and the hero of the Bible is God. Right, not a man. Justin Bailey said, we are not secure because we have all the answers or because we figured it out or we do it perfectly. We are secure because of the faithful love of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, then we can be brave, as we see Joseph was brave. Derek Kidner wrote, this chapter expresses, perfectly expresses God's quiet control and the man of faith's quiet victory. I like that because it's true for you and me as well. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, whether we're in a good time, as Britt was talking about, or we're in a time of suffering... We know that God is quietly in control, and we can rest in that. Our job simply is always, whether it's good or bad, our job always is simply to trust Him, to trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, as the song goes. So let's look at this chapter today under these main points. Joseph's success in the house, Joseph's test in the house, and Joseph's success in the prison. So God put just the right man into place to buy Joseph. He could have been bought by anyone, and it could have been a a terrible place for him to be. But God wanted him in Potiphar's house and to work there. Potiphar's name, interesting, it means whom Ra gave, or it means devoted to Ra, right? You know what Ra was, R-A, that was the sun god that Egyptians worshipped. They had many gods. One of them was the god of the sun, And so Potiphar was a sun-worshipping pagan, if his name is to be any indication. We're also told that Potiphar was was an officer of the Pharaoh. That word there for officer is interesting because it literally can be translated eunuch. Now, many times men who were close to the king and working with the king, close to his, his family... Were made to be eunuchs so they would be no threat to the wife of the king or to his daughters or to other women who were in the household. Then it became kind of just a title, it just became a thing, not necessarily that Potiphar was a eunuch, but that word was used also to just mean an officer who was close to power. So we can't say for sure whether he was literally a eunuch or not. He did have a wife. But that doesn't matter as well. So we're told Potiphar also was the captain of the guard. What does that mean? The captain of the guard. Well, many believe that that means he was the one who was in charge of the Pharaoh's security detail. If there was a secret service in Egypt, he was the man. He was in charge of it. Some say no, that just simply means he, he was in charge of the prison that was connected to Pharaoh. Uh, so Pharaoh's prisoners or the prisoners of, of the state, if you will, would be under his care. doesn't really matter. He was a man of power. He was a man of position. Now, we know that Joseph worked for this man at least around 11 years. How do we know that? Well, he was 17 years old, remember, when he was sold or when he was was taken by the Ishmaelites to Egypt. And he was 30 years old when he becomes the vice regent of Egypt, the number two man in charge of the country under the pharaoh. So that's 13 years. We know he was in prison at least for two years, forgotten by the cupbearer who promised he would remember him to the Pharaoh. So that means he probably served Potiphar around 11 years. And what does Moses tell us about Joseph in verse 2? The Lord was with Joseph. Right? And I like what Alan Ross wrote. The theological truth of the presence of the Lord repeated so often in Scripture and epitomized by the name Emmanuel, God with us, is the reason for Joseph's prosperity, right? But not only was Joseph successful because of God, because of God being with him, but listen, Joseph was free as well. Think of this, Joseph was a slave in Egypt, but oh man, he was free because God was with him. His brothers, on the other hand, were free back at home, but they were slaves to their guilt, and to their shame, right? I remember a man years ago, I went, used to go to Blanche Prison and talk to guys every now and then about, about the Lord. And I remember this guy, I read, he, he told me, after I visited him a couple of times, he told me, he said, I was arrested and I was convicted of this crime. But he said, there's another crime I did that I've never confessed and they don't know about what should I do. I said, is it weighing on your conscience? He said, yes. I said, are you a follower of Jesus? He said, yes. I said, brother, you need to confess it. I said, because, he said, but you don't understand, I will get out of here in about six months. If, if, if this crime is, is, is left hidden, I will get out of here in six months. And then that verse in Proverbs, I can't remember exactly what it said, but basically it says, you know, it's better to receive the mercy of the Lord and stay where you are. I said, you'd be better off as a free man in prison than you would be as a free man out there but still in prison to your own guilt and your shame. And that's what is going on with the brothers back home because they had done what they had done to Joseph, but the Lord blessed Joseph, and Potiphar, a son worshiping pagan, saw that he saw the, the scripture tells us he saw that God was with Joseph, he saw that the Lord caused everything Joseph did to succeed, so Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his whole house, right everything he had now listen, Joseph wasn 't a brilliant man from Egypt right who who came with an award winning resume; he was a Hebrew young man who didn't know anything about the language when he got there. He didn't know anything about the culture. He didn't know anything about how business works. At least we can assume that. He lived as a Jew his whole life, and now he's in, he's in Egypt. What does that mean then? He had to get up early and stay up late to learn what he needed to know. Why would he do that as a slave? Because he determined, I believe, he determined, Joseph determined... I'm going to be the best slave a man of God can possibly be. Could have gone the other way, right? I'm not supposed to be here. I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything wrong to my brothers. I didn't do anything wrong to Potiphar's wife. I shouldn't be in here. I'm going to be bitter and angry, and I'm going to make life miserable for those who are trying to keep me in this prison. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to be the best slave I could possibly And look what happened when Potiphar blessed Joseph with a promotion. God blessed Potiphar's house. Verse 5, the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house. Why? For Joseph's sake. Why? Why would that happen? Because of the promise God made to Abraham many years before. Remember, God said, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That was true of Abraham, it was true of Joseph, and it's true of his followers now, the sons and daughters of Abraham, of whom we are, if we know Jesus. So, Moses then foreshadows the trouble to come at the, verse, at the end of verse 6. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. What does that mean? <laughs> it means he was good-looking and well-built. You know, it's interesting, there are only three men in Scripture who are said to be handsome. One handsome child, baby, was Moses. But three men who, were said, who, who the writers of the Old Testament said were handsome in appearance. And guess what? Jesus wasn't one of them, right? Isaiah 51 says he, he, he was not one to be looked at and, and, and admired. It's, it's, his vis, visage was not one to be, uh, you know, emulated perhaps. I can't remember the verse exactly, but he was not called handsome. David and Saul and Absalom were three men who were called handsome. Now, I wouldn't know this, but I think it's probably a stumbling block for men and women who are exceptionally handsome or beautiful, right? I think if you're really, really smart then you're going to have pride in that area. I think if you're really, really attractive, you're going to have pride in that area. I think if you're really, really talented in something, you're going to have pride in that area, unless you humble yourself before the Lord. And so I think Joseph is an example of someone who perhaps was very handsome, and maybe that was part of the, part of the allure of Potiphar's wife, but he knew that his life did not consist of his looks. In fact, that's why Solomon wrote, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I love that what God said. He said, The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God, the Lord, looks on the heart. So it doesn't matter whether we're handsome or whether we're not. What matters is what our heart is like. And Joseph was handsome and well built, but he had a heart that overmatched even that. Well, ultimately, he had to be tested. I think God had to test him in several ways. If he's going to be the leader of the, of the people, he's going to be ha- he's have to be tested. So let's look at Joseph's test in the house. We don't know how long Joseph was in charge of the whole household before this happened. But this story of temptation and Joseph's response to temptation, his faithfulness to God in that is a powerful one with lessons for all of us. The first thing we see is that Potiphar's wife is the initiator of the temptation. And let me just say, we should never be initiators of temptation, right? God doesn't tempt anyone to sin, neither should we tempt anyone to to sin. Be holy as as the Lord is holy, he said to us in Leviticus 11 and in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. But he was tempted, he was tempted by this, this woman. She's like the woman in Proverbs 7. Read that sometime. This woman is loud and flirtatious, dressed like a woman of the night to appeal to men who were living according to their flesh. But Joseph was not like the young man in that story. Proverbs 7 has a woman who's the temptress and a young man who's a fool. And, and the Proverbs 7 says the young man lacking sense... Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. It's a sad scene. The proverbial young man lacked sense. How many proverbial young men lack sense? And run towards temptation because they're led not by their senses, their mind, but by their glands, right? And so this guy, he was in the wrong place on purpose because he walked down that road towards her house. And he was there at the wrong time, and he knew it was the wrong time because it was the right time for him and for her because it was in the twilight, in the evening, in the time of night and darkness. The imagery there is powerful, isn't it? Here is this guy getting ready to go to his destruction. So he was seeking temptation. That's always a recipe for a fall. But Joseph was doing his job, he was minding his own business, he was doing what Potiphar had told him to do, and Potiphar's wife cast her eyes on him and said, lie with me. Now listen, don't chalk this off as, she was probably an old woman and he wasn't attracted to her anyway, it was not a temptation. No, this was a temptation. All right, Joseph was tempted. He was a young man, maybe he was 25 at this point, maybe he was 11 plus 17, maybe he was 28. Maybe this was at the very end of his tenure there, right, or it probably was actually. And so he was a, a young man with all the equipment and all the desires and all the hormones that God gives young men. This was a temptation, and it was not a unique temptation, in fact, none are. Did you know that? None of us can ever say, I guess grammatically it would be none is, wouldn't it? I know some of you are grueling I saw Chrissy out there, it's none is Mark, it's not none are, none singular, come on, fix it, none is, none of us can ever say, well nobody's ever been tempted like I have, none of us also can ever say, I, I couldn't escape, I mean I had no choice, I had to give in to the temptation. You know why we know both excuses are categorically false? Well, because the scriptures tell us. No temptation, zero, none. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So yours is not unique. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may able, be able to endure it. Young men, God gives you an escape. A lot of times it's your pounding heart in your chest telling you, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't open that computer. Don't go to that page. Don't do this thing. Don't steal that. Don't, whatever. It's your pounding heart God is saying. I'm giving you a, a way out. And that's why you're not at peace right now. Your heart's pounding out of your chest. What was his escape? Well, Joseph's escape at that moment basically was to say no. He simply said no to her, and he appealed to the trust his master and her husband had placed in him. He basically says, listen, ma'am, don't you understand? Your husband has put me in charge of, of everything in this house. I mean, he's not greater than me in this house. And listen, he's, he's told, told me I have access to everything except you. Except you. See, he knew who he was. He knew what his place was. And so he appeals to her good sense by saying, no, don't ask this of me. And then he says, and I love this, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Hey, posterize that. Make a poster out of it. If not, at least a sticky note. And put it where your temptation is the greatest. So that when you're getting ready to sin, you'll see it. And it says, says, how then can I do this thing and sin against my Lord? I probably should put one of those on my steering wheel. Okay. So Joseph had this imprinted on his mind. And it lived in his heart. And listen. One huge motivation for Joseph, I'm convinced that one reason he did not want to fall into this temptation was because he knew that God had big things for him. He didn't understand what, he didn't understand when, he didn't understand how, but he knew God was, was, was with him and God was leading him and God was going to use him somehow, some way. And I think that strengthened his resolve against giving in to temptation. Listen, saints, listen. It's the same for you and me. None of us probably is ever going to be the number two man or number two woman in the country. I'd love it if one of you become president one day. That'd be be somebody I could vote for. Hello. But we're probably not going to be that. But listen, that that doesn't mean that you don't have great things God has for you great things. That applies to everyone. We have important work to do. Every one of us has important work to do. And I don't care how old you are. I'm 65. I feel like my best work's still ahead of me. Unless we think that way, then we we start drifting, we start coasting, we start not caring about the little things, and we get in big trouble. Don't we see that all the time with older men and older pastors and and, and God forbid that we take our foot off the gas of doing what God's called us to do. God has important work for you, young people. And, and this training right now is preparing you for that work. Don't mess that up by taking a side road. Well, Potiphar's wife's not done. You know She's nothing if not persistent. And so the Bible says that she pursued Joseph in this way day after day after day after day, and he would not listen to her, To her, and he would not give in to her. There's a faithful man, faithfulness over a long period of time, obedience, long walk in the same direction, Eugene Peterson called it. And that's what Joseph demonstrates here. Until one day, finally, she gets fed up with him saying no, so she goes from verbal temptation to a physical aggression. She grabs his outer garment and demands that he lie with her. And you know the story. He left the garment in her hand and he ran away. I wonder if Paul was thinking about that when he wrote this verse in, in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy 2, 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We're able to run from wrong when we're running after what is right. I think the reason Joseph was able to run away from her was because he was always, day after day, running towards what was true and faithful and, and right in, this, in the eyes of the Lord. He had one master. Potiphar was not his master. His master was God. And he was faithful to Potiphar because he was, ma- he was faithful to God. And it's the same with us. So we flee youthful lusts. We flee youthful passions because we're running after God. You know, it occurs to me, I wonder, I wonder if Potiphar's wife chose this time, this day to go from verbal to physical because she knew there were no other men in the house who would be a witness against her when she made a claim that Joseph had attacked her. We don't know. Maybe it was premeditated, maybe she came up with that idea on the spot, but she was not going to be spurned by him again. Her her idea was, if I can't have you, then you're not going to have anything. You're toast, buddy. You know the saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? That's hyperbole. Hell's going to be a lot worse than a scorned woman, right? But but you get the gist there. She was not going to be used and abused by him. She was not going to be one-upped. And so she made sure he would pay a price for her refusal. And then she compounded her sin of being an attempted adulteress by being a false witness twice. First, she lied to the other men in the house, probably servants. And notice how she does it. She blames her husband for bringing this man in. What that remind you of? Well, this Man came from my husband. comes came from the the, the garden, right? And Joseph said. I mean, uh, uh, Adam said. Well, this woman you gave me, right? It's your fault, God. So he she blames her husband. This man brought him in, and then she appeals to these Egyptian men and their natural disregard for Hebrews. The only reason Hebrews were in Egypt was to be slaves, and she even says that this this Hebrew was only there to laugh at me. And these men, of course, would take up an offense for her. They're not going to laugh, laugh at you, Mrs. Potiphar. We're going we're to be on your side. We're going to take care of this. And then, of course, um, there's, you see there's deep-seated hatred and bitterness on display toward her husband, which may have been part of her motivation for going after Joseph in the first place. Let me just say this. An unhealthy marriage can be the seedbed for much bad fruit. Go to the Lord and fix the marriage. And he can do it. He can fix it. So she waited until Potiphar came home, and she told him the same lies, and she sewed him the garment that Joseph had left behind. Joseph and his garments, man, he gets into so much trouble over his garments, doesn't he? And and it's not his fault. But that was all Potiphar needed. He threw Joseph into prison himself. Now, anybody have the thought when you're reading this story or hearing Janet read it a while ago, anybody have the thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me Potiphar didn't even sit down with this man who had served him faithfully, who's in charge of his whole household for 11 years? He didn't sit down and say, all right, dude, come on, fess up, Tell tell me the deal. Look, if you're listening to someone telling you a story about how someone else wounded them, hurt them, messed them up, what should you do? Get the other side of the story. This is a great reminder that if one gives an answer before he hears it, it's his folly and shame. Potiphar was foolish in the way he acted. It was God's plan. But Potiphar's he had fault for doing this. And the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. There's two sides to every story. Right? And Potiphar didn't care about that. He was wrong. Potiphar, the sun worshiper, I wrote, was blinded to finding the light of the truth. So Joseph is thrown into the pit. He was thrown into the pit by his brothers because they rejected him. Now he's thrown into the prison by Potiphar because Potiphar rejected him. Has God rejected Joseph? Everybody said, no. Thank you, children, for piping in there. You're listening. That's good. So there for 2 years the testing continues. He's done what is right, what was right, and he suffered for it. Do we ever suffer for doing what is right? Yes, as Christians, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul said in somewhere, 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, somewhere in that range. All who desire to suffer to to uh, to follow God will suffer persecution. But even in the eyes and uh, even in prison, Joseph remained faithful. To God. Let's look at that for a second. Joseph's success in the prison. And how was that characterized? Here it is again. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Emmanuel is with us whether we're in the prison, we're in the pit, we're in the palace. doesn't matter. Emmanuel is with us. And he gives us favor because, because of his mercy and his love. He was with Joseph in the prison. And what happened? Joseph did it again. He worked just as hard in the prison to be a, 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 you know, a valuable asset to the prison as he worked in the, the Potiphar's house to be a valuable asset to Potiphar. He did not sulk, he served. There's a good saying for you. Instead of sulking, serve. Instead of soaking in self-pity, Serve, right? Instead of drowning in bitterness and despondency and falling into depression, get up and serve somebody. Think of others more highly than yourself, and amazing things can happen. He served God, that many serve others, and the pres- keeper of the prison t- took notice. And so he, he turned everything in the prison <laughs> over to this Hebrew slave now prisoner, who had been accused of attacking uh, an Egyptian woman. I love this verse, verse 23. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Let me ask you a question. Is the Lord with you and me? Is he? Is he with you and me? He is. Okay, well, let me ask you a second question then. Are you walking out? Your faith, are we walking out our faith, I'll make it, include me in this, and our obedience to him in such a way that whatever is given for us to do by our boss, our parents, our teachers, and our authorities, as long as they're not asking us to violate scripture, whatever is given for us to do, they don't ever have to check behind us to see if we did what they ask us to do. Children, important thing to learn is if, if mom asks you to clean your room and she has to check behind you to see if you clean your room, then you need to grow in that area because you want to get to the place where, like Joseph where whatever your parents tell you, they can walk away and, they, and they'll know you're going to do it. Now, fathers, they need to see the same thing in you. Moms, they need to see the same thing in you so that they have a pattern to follow. A few more questions as we close. What do, we, what do you believe or know for sure that God's called you to do right now as a son, daughter, parent, employee, friend, or church member? What's God called you to do right now? And you say, well, I'm doing it. Praise God. Or you say, well, I know he's called me, but I just hadn't gotten up the courage. Today, I'm encouraging you. That means speaking courage into your heart. Number two. What causes the greatest struggle for you in doing what God has called you to do? Time management? Fear? Laziness? (laughs) Self-loathing? Feeling like you can't do it? Whatever it is, identify that and take that to the Lord in prayer. Number three, will you ask the Lord to help you trust Him in these struggles now? We've seen a great testimony today of a faithful man. Joseph was not perfect, and none of us can be, and he didn't do all things right. But he was faithful, and God calls us to be faithful. I remember the first time I went to Kenya, the pastor said, yes, we have a group of men, we call them fat. I said, well, that's not very nice. He said, no, 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 fat. And they speak English in Kenya, so I'm mimicking his accent. He said, it means faithful, available, teachable. So I like that. We should all be fat. Faithful, available, and teachable. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning for your faithfulness to us, for your grace is poured out on us day by day. I'm thankful for this community of faith, this family uh, that I'm a part of as a brother in this this family. I'm thankful for the way that everyone here loves each other and is, is committed to each other's good doing good and saying good and encouraging one another in the good things of the Lord. So help us, Lord, to walk these things out today. Uh, give us strength against temptation and give us resolve to do what you have called us to do and think always that our best days are still ahead by your grace. And of course, we know they are in heaven, but even on the earth, we might remember that your grace is increasing uh, in us and your strength is increasing in our spirit, even though it might be... Fi- f- failing in our bodies that you're you're uh, able to cause us and help us to do all that we're called to do and we pray this in jesus name and all of god's people said amen let's greet one another thank you for listening to this message by pastor mark fox of antioch community church in elon north carolina antioch meets every sunday for worship at 10 o'clock a.m at 1600 powerline road in elon You can download other messages by Pastor Fox at antiochchurch.cc You can also learn how to order his books or subscribe to his blog at jmarkfox.com